scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 13, to chapter 3, verse 7. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as but living as servants of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls." Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Good morning. I bring you greetings from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Alito. And uh, by way of introduction, some of you may not know me. I have been in this sanctuary several times before for presbytery meetings and even preached here once or twice. Uh, But... My wife and I uh, were missionaries in Africa for 35 years and just retired from foreign service in 2016. So we lived in Ethiopia, Kenya, Malawi, and Mozambique. And uh, if I get real nervous, I'll start speaking in Swahili, so I don't know what's... (laughs) Anyway, that's a little bit about us. And uh, I'm here not to share about me, but about God and His Word. Peter's first letter was written to the followers of Jesus Christ who were 
uh, dispersed around the Mediterranean basin because of their faith in Christ and the persecution that they were experiencing. He has reminded these early believers that in Christ they have an inheritance that's imperishable and they are to live holy lives before the world. God's enduring world word and his Holy Spirit enables them and us to live a God-honoring life as we live before the world. We are a chosen people, and the world is watching. And so we must be careful how we live. All of this that I've just said about those early Christians is also relevant to us as we live before the world in our communities, in our workplace, in our families. We may not be suffering the same kind of persecution that the folks did in those days, but the culture in which we live is increasingly hostile to Christ and to his people and to his truth. We're sometimes tempted to just blend in with the culture and not be noticed. There's so much division and tension in the culture today Do we really want to get involved in ceaseless arguments about abortion and gender dysphoria? Isn't it easier to just nod and agree with what the person's saying than to get in an argument about it? Or to agree with them and then go off and mumble and think, how can they be so stupid? I mean, you know, we should speak up, but after all, if we speak up, will just get shouted down or canceled or unliked. It's never been easy to be a follower of Jesus. Not if we are serious about it. Jesus told his disciples many years ago that in this life you will have trouble. But he also said, I don't fear for I have overcome the world. Today we're going to see another area where it's difficult to follow Jesus as we work through the passage that was just read this morning, 1 Peter 2, 13 to 3, 7. Remember when you were younger. Maybe you girls and women didn't do this, but we guys probably did. When you were younger and you would get in a tussle with your brother or with a friend and you'd be wrestling on the floor and... And uh, you would eventually get bested by your opponent and he would say, cry uncle. And that demand to cry uncle would just spur you on to greater efforts until finally in your exhaustion, you would indeed say, okay, uncle. As you get a little older, you have to submit to parental commands to clean up your room, pick up your toys, do your homework, brush your teeth. Sometimes it's okay, but usually these commands come at a time when you're just finishing your video game or you're following a a chat string and you want to finish that and you say, okay, give me a little bit, and the little bit becomes 15 minutes and then the command becomes more urgent and then with a sigh you submit and you come to your parents' uh, commands. 
And then you get older and you have to submit to showing up to work on time, meeting deadlines, doing things at work you'd rather not be doing, including submitting to that boss who doesn't know as much about your work as you do. Then there's Uncle Sam requiring you to pay taxes. Not submitting to paying taxes is not an option. We must submit to rent payments, house payments, car payments, credit card payments. There's pressure to submit to mask mandates and vaccine mandates. We submit to traffic, or we're supposed to, submit to traffic rules, speech rules, behavior rules. And I wonder if that word submit is one of the least popular words in the English language. This morning, God will lead us to three areas of submission, each of which has its own difficulties, troubles, and opportunities for suffering. Why is submitting so difficult? Why should we submit? What does submitting accomplish? First of all, the mandate from God himself. We see it in verse 21. Because Jesus has suffered for us, believers must submit to suffering. We have been called to suffer. Now that's not a calling that many of us would like to think about, but it's there in God's word. We have been called to suffer. Not just any kind of suffering. Some suffering is justly deserved. If we fail to submit to our tax bill, the government's going to come after us and there will be penalties. If we fail to submit to healthy living um, patterns, there will be results, consequences in our physical bodies. If we fail to submit to God's laws, we will suffer punishment and discipline, and there will be natural consequences to those sins. But this kind of suffering is talking about another kind of suffering altogether. Suffering that comes to us from doing what is right and good. When we submit to this kind of suffering, verse 20 tells us that it is a gracious thing in God's sight. God is pleased for it is following in our Savior's footsteps. In fact, this whole discussion about submitting has its foundations in what Jesus has done for us. Listen again to what Peter reminds us of in verses 22 to 25. And I'm going to read this from the message version because the different way uh, this uh, paraphrase has often catches our attention differently. Verses 22 to 25. He, referring to Jesus, never did one thing wrong, not once said anything wrong. They called him every name in the book and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be free of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. You were lost sheep with no idea who you were or where you were going. Now you are named and kept for good by the shepherd of your souls. Jesus did all this for you and me. He submitted to the humiliation and the condescension of 
coming from his rightful place in heaven, coming to live with us, like us, walking the dusty paths of this earth, getting tired and hungry and thirsty, but ever so much more than that, being abused by haughty, sinful people, spit on, beaten, mocked, and finally subjected to the unimaginable physical pain of being nailed to the cross and the even worse pain of the sinless Son of God carrying our sins on himself. All in submission to the perfect will of God, the Father, so we can be free from the death due to us for our sin. That is submission. And Father God wants us to submit in the same way. My friends, have we even started to submit? God's Spirit, speaking through Peter, is going to show us three areas of life where we must submit to suffering as a result of doing good and what is right. Let's consider them in order. Submission to every human authority. We read in verses 13 to 17. It's pretty clear in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Not much ambiguity there. The command, be subject or submit. The reason, for the Lord's sake. The extent, to every human institution. Every human institution. Starting with the government. Local, state, national, submit to paying proper taxes, obeying rules of the road, obeying zoning laws, submitting to all kinds of laws and rules that have been put into place to help rule our rebellious spirits, keep ourselves and others safe, and to live in peaceful dignity. I don't see anything in that paragraph in God's Word about submitting only if we agree with the laws. Or think they are right or fair. I don't see anything about submitting only when it's convenient or lines up with what we want to do anyway. Be subject, for the Lord's sake, to every human institution. But to balance things a bit. God does not require us to obey authorities who demand that we do things that are in direct opposition to God's will and word. In Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles refused to submit to the authorities in their day who were commanding them to keep quiet when they knew that their job was to proclaim the truth of Christ. And they said, we must obey God rather than man. Sometimes authorities may tell us we may not do something that God commands. Such as, for instance, if the government is requiring doctors and other medical people to perform abortions or euthanasia, instead of allowing them to obey God and to preserve life, we are to obey God rather than man. But when we think we are disobeying human authority in obedience to God's will, we must be very certain that it is God's will that we are defending and obeying and not our own interpretation of that will. We must be very certain if we're going to disobey because the overarching uh, command from this word is to obey, to submit to every human institution. 
What does submitting to human authority accomplish? And why should we submit? Why? First of all, because it's God's will. What does it accomplish? It silences the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, it silences people who would make foolish accusations against us because we are obeying a higher authority, God himself. When we obey God, we're not following our own preferences. We are submitting to the will of Almighty, Sovereign, Eternal, and Holy God. In Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. We're bond servants to God the Father. In submitting to His authority in our lives, we will respect all, whether we like them, agree with them, or not. We will love our brothers and sisters in Christ, which means praying for them and serving them, not just having warm feelings about them. We will fear God because He is the ultimate authority, which means submitting to His will in every thought, word, and action. And Peter brings it back around to civil authorities again when he winds up the paragraph by repeating respect or submit to the king or in our situation in this country the president submitting to the authorities God has put in place is not a suggestion it's a command why because he has put all authority in place as we see in Romans 13 verse 1 obey the government for God is the one who put it there All governments have been placed in power by God. When we submit to human authorities, we are submitting to God and honoring Him. Remember that when Paul wrote those words in Romans, he was living under an oppressive, secular society where the emperor demanded that everybody honor him and worship him as God. And yet it is in that context that Paul wrote these words to obey the government, for God is the one who put it there. We each know our own heart. Is there an area in your life where you struggle to submit to authority? Is that struggle because the authority is requiring you to do wrong or preventing you from doing right? Or is that that struggle to submit because of your own rebellious spirit? Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to reveal to you the pride and rebellion that is preventing you from God-honoring submission. Confess it and repent that you may be free. Next, Peter focuses on a specific example of human authority, authority in the workplace. Masters and bosses and supervisors, anybody higher up the pay scale or the organizational ladder than you. We see this in verses 18 and 19. Respect and do whatever they tell you, whether they are kind or cruel, reasonable or impossible to please. This too doesn't leave much wiggle room. It's clear. It's no big deal to respect and submit to a boss or supervisor who is kind and reasonable. That can even be a joy. But a boss who disrespects you doesn't let you take any initiative, makes your life generally unbearable and cuts you down in front of others, that's a different matter. But does the mandate change? 
Are we to do shoddy work, complain, gossip, make faces at the boss when his back is turned? The mandate doesn't change. Maybe they refuse to give you a pay raise that is due to you, or they don't let you make advances within the company. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to respect and submit to such a one? Short answer, yes. Because this isn't a suggestion in God's word, it is a command. We submit to his command to honor God and to bring glory to his name. We do it to obey the one who gave his very life for us. We do it because it is an honor to respond as Jesus did when he was abused. And not only must we respect and submit, but we must also praise God as we're doing it. Why? Because we have the honor of pleasing God when we patiently endure unfair treatment. Not everybody has a boss in their workplace or a supervisor. Some work alone. Farmers may work alone. Some business owners may work alone. But we all deal with people in the community. Some of those people are in positions of authority. Some are just ordinary folks. Some are pleasant and kind. Some not so much. Think back over the past week or two. Have you been treated unfairly by anybody? What was your response? Did you respond in kindness? Or did your unkind thoughts reveal that Christ is not really the Lord of your life? We are to be imitators of Jesus in all our ways. Thoughts, words, and actions. If you have a tendency to respond in kind, snarky for snarky, Ugly for ugly, nasty for nasty, confess that sin now and repent that you might be free. We've seen that there, that we are to submit to all human authorities, specifically civil government and in the workplace, for all authority has been put in place by God. The third area where we are to submit is in the most basic of human institutions, the family. We see this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. There are some very tender and beautiful verses here, but we will have to get by our cultural disdain for the idea of a wife being subject or submitting to her husband. That probably sticks in the craw of many a wife these days. Once again, we see that the mandate to submit is not a conditional mandate. It does not say to submit or be subject to a Sir Galahad husband who's always kind and thoughtful and, and a perfect gentleman. Instead it says, be subject to your own husband so that even if some do not obey the word. Why? Well, first, because it's commanded. Second, because of the wonderful possibility that some may come to Christ won over by the respectful and pure conduct of their believing wife, without so much as a word. I'm sure there are some within the sound of my voice who have lived with husbands who are not gentlemen, who don't always behave well, who in fact 
may be snarly and mean. And you have done so for many years, pleading with God to bring your husband to the cross where he can repent and be born again, a new creation in Christ. As long as there is life, there is hope. Keep on praying. Keep on being respectful. Keep on adorning your hidden person with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You don't know God's eternal plan for your husband, but you do know he has commanded you to be a beautiful person for his glory and the benefit of your husband. What a wonderful thing to know that a gentle and quiet spirit is a precious thing in God's sight. And what an encouragement and honor to be in the group of the faithful women in the Bible, such as Sarah, who persevered and submitted in very difficult circumstances. She wasn't perfect, but in the end, her submission and faith were rewarded. Living faithfully in submission to your eternal master, even King Jesus, you can do what is right without the fear of what your husband may do. Now, guys, you aren't off the hook now. Peter goes on to say, Likewise, husbands, we are to live with the wife God has given us with understanding and honor, recognizing that she is the weaker vessel. Weaker here is not a pejorative term. It does not refer to mental or spiritual ability. It simply refers to the general tendency that women are smaller and not as strong as men. What a shame it is when a stronger man beats up on his smaller, weaker wife in any way at all. Physical, mental, emotional abuse, shame. This isn't the only place in God's Word where we husbands are commanded to treat our wives well with respect and dignity, loving her even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In fact, in Ephesians 5.21, we read this interesting thing. Submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission goes both ways. Yes, the husband is the head of the home according to God's plan, but there are times when the husband is wise to submit to his wife's wisdom and will out of reverence for Christ and love for his wife, remembering that your wife is your equal partner in the faith. Your wife is your equal partner in the faith. You honor God when you honor your wife. There's a warning here. If you don't treat your wife with honor and dignity, your prayers will not be answered. Why? Because in mistreating your wife, you are not submitting to God's will and commands. When we are out of line with God's will, we are not living a righteous, God-honoring life. In James 5, we read that the effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. So, men and women, husbands and wives, how are you doing in submitting at home? Wives, are you honoring your husband by acknowledging and supporting him as the head of the home? Speaking to him in public with respect? Upholding his place as spiritual head of the family before the children? 
This is not in the sense of a doormat to be trampled on, but in the sense of being an equal partner and relating to your husband in public and private in a way that dignifies the gift of marriage as God designed it. Husbands, are you submitting to the wisdom and will of your wife in the many times when she is simply right? Honoring her in public and before your children in the way you speak to and about her? Submitting to God's design for marriage and leading her with gentleness and respect. You've all heard the term servant leadership. The home is the best place to practice that. Those of you who aren't husbands and wives, this passage speaks to you as well. Not all of us live in the context of a biological family with husband and wife, mother and father, but all of us who are believers live in the context of the family of Christ. In this family, we have fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters. There are relationships within this family to which we must submit for the glory of God and the honor of Christ whose body this family is. In the body life of the church, we are to submit to our elders, as we see in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey, or submit to, your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they know they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this joyfully and not with sorrow. We submit to each other in the family of Christ as we honor each other. Treat each other with dignity, pray for each other, serve each other, and love each other. As you think back over the past week, how have you done in submitting to your fellow family in Christ, father, mother, brother, sister, elder? Have you harbored ugly feelings toward a brother or sister in Christ? Maybe you didn't say anything bad to them, but you certainly weren't thinking thoughts that reflected submission to Jesus, the head of his family. Are you on the outs with somebody in your biological or spiritual family? You know, the Bible tells us that if we are bringing our gift to the altar and we remember that somebody has something against us, not us having something against somebody else, somebody having something against us, we are to go first and reconcile with that person and then bring our gift to God. Make a point this week to make things right with somebody with whom you have been at odds. Confess. Ask God's forgiveness. Ask their forgiveness. Submit to God's commands for right relationship for His glory and that your prayers may be heard. I have a short story from Africa. Are you going to start walking out if it gets much later, or are we good for another five minutes? (laughs) Okay. Eunice Chepurai is a friend of ours who lives in West Pukat in the northwest part of Kenya, where we lived for 15 years. She's a strong woman in many ways. She worked in the women's group learning how to knit with knitting machines. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but they're hand-powered. And sewing on the sewing machines, the foot treadle-powered sewing machines, school uniforms. As she was making these sweaters and school uniforms, she began to set aside some savings. And as her savings grew, 
she began to acquire a substantial herd of goats. Goats are to the Pocut people that we were living and working with like a bank account for us. So she was a successful, hard-working, Christ-following wife and mother. One day she arrived home late in the afternoon with a five-gallon plastic jug of water balanced on her head and firewood strapped to her back, and she trudged home with this load late in the afternoon. She arched her back and stretched a little bit as she put the jug down, unstrapped the firewood and put it down. But as she was stretching it, she realized it's unusually quiet. This time of the afternoon, my goats should be coming home from their grazing with the, the neck bells going dong, 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 the, the uh, little ones bleating for their mothers. Lots of noise as these uh, goats come back from their day's grazing. But it was quiet. Not a sound. She called to her husband, and there was no response. Now she was getting worried. She went to her neighbors, Have you seen my husband? Have you seen my goats? What's going on? Little by little, the story began to emerge that her husband had traded her herd of goats for a second wife. She was devastated. Now she was faced with a choice. Find her husband and beat him up? She could have done that. She was a big, strong woman. Take the goats back and make a big issue of it in the community? Or submit to what she had been learning in the women's Bible study groups. Don't return evil for evil. Leave vengeance for God. Forgive. Eunice chose to put on the unfading beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit, not her normal disposition. Forgive her husband. Submit to Jesus' lordship in her life and just make the best of a difficult situation. With the testimony of her gracious and submissive response, Eunice made a huge impact on this community where the life of following Christ was only just beginning to be known. Where might you need to submit? For the Lord's sake, are there areas of your life in relationship with civil authorities, the workplace, home life, or the body of Christ? Where you need to submit, what is the Spirit showing you right now? Father God, you are so patient with us and we are so stubbornly unsubmissive. How we need the work of your word and your spirit, guiding, teaching, correcting, that we may live lives pleasing to you. Help us to submit to your lordship in every arena of our lives. Send us from this place as ambassadors of Jesus' saving grace. For we ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.